today's guest proves that you truly can turn your passion into your profession. When Natalie Bannister moved to London from sunny Portugal, she missed her active lifestyle and her close-knit group of adventurous women. So she did something about it. She created Gutsy Girls, which runs bespoke retreats and unique active experiences to bring women together. Sound Advice Get Year One in Business Right is brought to you by Sage. Over one million British businesses use Sage's award-winning software to manage their finances, invoicing and cash flow. So check it out. I'm Bex Van Calendar, your host, and let's meet Nat. Nat, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to to share my experience and uh, share my stories. <laughs> I can't wait to find out how this business came about because it's a bit of a leap from missing something, missing a lifestyle, wishing something would happen to actually thinking not only I'm going to make it happen for myself, but I'm going to make it happen for loads of other people like me. Do you want to just tell me the origin story? <laughs> Okay. Um, so yeah, I was living in Portugal uh, for about three years working in a surf camp and I made the move to London to be with my boyfriend. And when I moved, I was suddenly really isolated and I found it really hard to find community. Um, I guess I worked from home, so all of you now know how it feels to work from home and how isolating that can be. So it was trying to find out a, a way to connect with other people. Um, I didn't have like the the budget to be able to join a work co-working space. So it was kind of, how do you find people in, in London? And what I did was I joined a rowing club and I learned how to row and it was so much fun and I absolutely loved the mornings on the Thames but there's a huge amount of commitment uh, in a rowing club if you really want to get involved and I was like what can we do where it combines adventure with kind of that, ex- that community experience and bring women together and so yeah kind of it kind of grew from there and it was always just a passion project it was always about getting women outdoors and active and now it's just yeah, snowboard into something completely different. So you said that Gutsy Girls started as a passion project. So does that mean you kind of had a full-time job at the same time? What were you What were you doing? Yeah, so I was a social media marketer. I learned Facebook advertising while out in Portugal and was uh, consulting for lots of different companies and coming up with digital strategies for people. So I was, yeah, I bootstrapped my whole business and just did it off the back of what I was earning. And I was in a really fortunate position that, Gutsy Girls didn't have to make any money. So it was really just about uh, sticking to its core roots and understanding what what I wanted it to do and how I wanted it to help people Um, because I was in that privileged position where I didn't need it to make money. Um, So for me, it's really important to create a space where women feel welcome in nature and the outdoors and adventure. And so that's always been the driving force is trying to remove barriers uh, to get women into new sports, to show everyone that everybody is welcome in nature and everybody is welcome in adventure. It doesn't need to be a really intimidating place and you can kind of give something a try without really putting any a huge amount of commitment. You don't need to label yourself as adventurous or active. You just need to come and try a new activity or uh, go out for a hike and, and meet women. Um, so yeah, that's always been the driving force behind my business for sure. But how do you do that? How do you create a retreat where you're going to have people of extremely differing abilities? And you know, like you might do a surfing trip and some people might be amazing surfers and some people might have never even like touched a surfboard before. How do you create an experience around people that are so different? So for me, it's always, it's been, it's, I guess it's the messaging. It's understanding that we're really a welcoming space and really a non-intimidating space. And it is a place where you can come if you've never even seen a surfboard or you've never stepped foot on a paddleboard. For me, it's really about like creating an experience that shows you don't need to have any experience. Um, uh, the messaging in our, our 
in our social media and our branding is all about kind of inclusivity and making sure that you feel welcome no matter what um, your size, ability, your shape, your race. Um, it's for us, it's really about creating safe spaces for women in adventure and nature. And tell me about some of these retreats, some of these experiences. Can you tell me about sort of, I don't know, your top two, where, where, it, where you went, what happened? Paint a picture. Oh, it's so hard. Everyone always asks me what my favourite my favorite one is. And it's like, it's like choosing your favourite child. I don't have a child, but I imagine that's really tough. So um, uh, so we do, uh, my, my favourite ones are the paddleboarding expeditions that we do. So paddleboarding with everything that you possibly could need for five days in the wild. And you pack it onto into a dry bag, put it on the front of your paddleboard. And we go out and explore like incredibly remote places, which are really difficult to get to by foot. Um, what I love about paddleboarding experience, expeditions and experiences is that you don't have to carry anything on your back. So you have like space in your bag for the luxuries, like a really decent like little pillow or yeah, an extra pair of leggings, you know, stuff to keep you warm when you're hiking, you have to strip all of that down. So for me, I really like the luxury experience of a paddleboarding expedition, but also just accessing these incredible places. Um, we do one place up in Scotland to Noidart, which is one of the most remote and wildest places in the whole of the UK. Um, um, it has the most remote pub as well, which we have to pop into at the end of the trip. Um, but yeah, we go there and you you don't see a soul for a few days and you really realise how uh, incredible nature is and how like what you can learn from those experiences when you have so little with you apart from your little extras. But you really don't need to have much to kind of experience the world and, and what it shows us in that is incredible. But, you know, it makes you really consider what you do and don't need in your life and actually what's more important is it actually accessing spaces like this or is it the material items like really it, it just opens your eyes to a different way of thinking and a different way of being so yeah Scotland is like up there as one of my most favorite places it's, we've been there a lot recently because of the pandemic um but also Norway for me is um incredible so we do paddleboarding expeditions on the fjords um and for me, Norway is special because my mum and my whole family are from Norway. So um, it's like going home and it's such an incredible landscape. And yeah, it's just one of those incredible places where you just feel just in awe-inspiring landscapes where you feel tiny and insignificant and how important. And that is a really powerful experience as well to feel mini in nature because um, it takes every all of your worries away. It takes, you know, you can start to see things in the bigger picture when you're feeling insignificant in grand spaces i've been completely transported i can see fjords and snowy topped mountains that was an amazing description of what you can expect from a gutsy girls trip and how do you pick them so talk me through your mindset and your thinking processes when you're putting together a retreat are you are you constantly researching on your laptop or are you constantly flying places when such things like flying were possible to check stuff out how are you creating the packages a lot of it is selfishness because i want to see them and i want to experience them so actually the first ever gutsy girl retreat was this one in norway and i actually thought that no one would go on it i thought it was i i used it as clickbait <laughs> i was like oh the fjords of norway paddleboard on the fjords of norway no one will really want to do that and camp and all of that and it sold out so quickly so it was kind of what do i want to experience because i'm really fortunate to be my my demographic and my audience i'm I get to experience it the same way as my my clients do. So I really think about that. And I also, for me, it's really important to look at sustainable and responsible travel. So all of the people that we work with always 
we always look to improve and share the wealth between the economies that we visit. So when we go to Croatia, we stay on a tiny little island, uh, which only has 240 permanent residents, but we make sure that we use all of their accommodation, their food. We make sure that we're, um, we're, we're really experiencing the cultures and the places that we visit with the locals um, and sustainably as well. So making sure that we leave no trace, we have a real like green ethos and, um, and we try and encourage you not to fly to us if you don't have to fly, if we can try and find you alternative routes. So for us, it's really, that's maybe more where we'll shift to in the future once travel starts to really open up is ensuring that everything that we do is sustainable and has a really positive impact on the communities and the areas that we visit. Well, as someone who is half Croatian, I applaud you giving back to my motherland. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, and when you're deciding pricing, because it must be a real balancing act, trying to make the prices accessible, but you still need to make a bit of profit it needs to be a sustainable business so how do you decide where do you put the price uh pricing is always the hardest thing and i think when we start businesses we're always really nervous about pricing too high but actually it's understanding your worth and your value what you're actually given um in the first year i definitely underpriced everything because i was so nervous and i, I didn't really have a I didn't really know where the business was going and what my audience was like, but actually now I feel really comfortable and confident in our pricing because we do use the very best guides and we do always eat at the best restaurants and we do provide the best possible equipment. So actually all of those small things actually do add up to become a much more expensive experience. But also when you come and you experience that and you don't have to check on TripAdvisor where you're going to eat that night and all of the, all of the stress of like, not stress, that all of the admin that goes behind having a great holiday, which you plan yourself. For me, I'm all about removing that. And it's just like, you just turn up with your suitcase packed and we give you your packing list and you can, you just literally just turn up and relax. And I will tell you what you're doing that day. You don't need to think about the day ahead. Um, and for me, like that's being confident and knowing the value that we add and what we offer um, has been part of my pricing strategy and for me I really want to pay all of our guides a really like sustainable wage actually the outdoor industry is incredibly underpaid and undervalued uh, qualifications and the, the training that people go through is is significant and so we should be paying our guides and the people that we kind of share these experiences with a fair wage so that all all comes into the price and for me that's yeah the pricing strategy just comes from knowing the value and knowing what yeah what I need to have for marketing strategy and also to pay my guides and pay my hosts and yeah so that everybody has yeah a sustainable business going forward well I like that as well because if anyone pushed back and said oh this is a bit pricey you can say well I pay all my suppliers a fair wage we invest in every community that we visit you know it's it's not that these prices have plucked out of thin air everything is based on your strategy as a business which I think is really great advice to anybody just make sure that your pricing is it's clear because this is what you're doing this is where the money is going i love that yeah exactly and for me it's um part of me part of my experience in running my business is that i know that my our prices are ex uh, exclusive i guess They're, they they exclude quite a lot of people and so that's something that i'm working on this winter is how do we give back and how do we like maybe shift towards social enterprise area where we can support other women who can't financially support themselves to come on these experiences because it shouldn't accessing the outdoors shouldn't be an exclusive experience and it is uh, unfortunately and for me understanding now that the business is a in a comfortable position four years in now i'm looking at how do i actually go back to its core roots and connect all women and making sure that that's part of it so actually maybe my prices will go up as well because it will actually be contributing to other people within our community who haven't got the financial needs to join us at the moment and so for me it's about like kind of yeah sharing that experience with as many people as possible 
how long did it take before you thought, right, I can take the jump, I can move to Gutsy Girls full time? When did you stop doing the social media on, well, when did that stop being your side hustle and start being your main role? Um, so I think around year two, I started to really cut back on my social media marketing uh, freelance roles. I still take occasional contracts, just it's hard to turn down, <laughs> hard to turn down income. Um, but I've been really lucky. I have alternative uh several streams of income when I was first setting up Gutsy Girls. I have a property where I lived in Portugal that I continued to Airbnb out. Um, I was still doing my social media marketing and I was also running a surf company for students, bringing student groups to Portugal. So there was loads of different ways that I had a lot of income coming in and slowly I had to just really realign and be like what's what's most important and gutsy girls kind of yeah it is a scary thing to rip off the band-aid and be like okay i'm going all in on this one uh kind of idea and one one way of going forward so yeah around year two i started to really cut back and yeah pretty much i started still have a few uh, occasional contracts here and there but just because i like to sometimes it's nice to mix it up and try something uh, to like, use your brain in a different way not for your own business um, but then if you had these different income streams, I mean, your understanding your earnings and your tax must have been really complicated. How did you even tackle that? <laughs> did you do it on your own? Eek? Or did you find an accountant? Uh, How did you handle that? Oh, I was like, don't ask me about finances. I'm terrible about finances. <laughs> but I'm going to be honest, like I, yeah, having a great accountant, trusting your accountant and um, knowing enough about your finances but also knowing that you won't know absolutely everything and like that was one of my hardest things is like losing I guess with anything when you start delegating work out and stuff it's like losing the control um which I found really hard turns out I'm a control freak um but uh yeah just really kind of no having a strong understanding of what your numbers are but also asking for help because I'm not great with uh, numbers. I learned how to use spreadsheets for the business and I still hate them, but also love them. There's a love hate relationship with them. But um, yeah, just being, uh, asking for, a, asking for a recommendation for a great accountant from friends uh, and family and other business owners um, and not being afraid to move accountants, I guess is probably one of my top tips on, on that. Like knowing when actually your accountant maybe hasn't uh, got as good a grip of your numbers as maybe you thought they did um, and then and going with somebody else. Did that happen to you where you were kind of like hey why are you not getting this relief or why why are you not putting these expenses on and you had to be like that's it we need some, some someone new? Yeah so I think I was really unlucky uh, with one of my accountants who we were using uh, a software to monitor our invoices um, and they duplicated the invoices. So I had double the amount of sales. And that was like, when I was looking at the turnover, I was like, that's definitely not my turnover. And uh, and then the, I think there the, the attitude of just like, oh yeah, we have doubled it, but not any like, the, it took them a long time to accept that they had doubled the invoices. So yeah, knowing enough, you, you need to know your numbers enough to be able to double check workings of other people um, to that point. And then, yeah, just it was just a position it's sometimes it's painful to move on because you have to like do more work and admin involved in that. But it was like, well, this is obviously a clear sign that I shouldn't stay with this company anymore. Um, so yeah, cut, the, cut, cut your losses and move on to the next one. But what a nightmare. <laughs> Had they already communicated those numbers to like company's house and stuff? Or did you catch it I in don't, time? I caught it in time. Oh. Yeah. And that was it. Like, I think that's an important thing is just to know your numbers enough to be able to be like, 
wait a second, that definitely isn't right. Um, yeah, I was like, great turnover. It's just a shame it's totally fake. And <laughs> it's definitely not my, it's definitely double of what I would have earned. Is this my business? <laughs> yeah, like, where, is, where is my profit? Where is my money? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so just knowing you're and having a big good grip of your own numbers. Um, but then also, yeah, having, not being afraid to also ring your accountants and finding an accountant who doesn't make you feel stupid and it will ha- happily sit there and talk through it for you. And for me, I really want to understand as much as I can about it so that i know it helps shape decisions right for the future um Mm. and so yeah just having a really good relationship with your accountant is great um and just yeah if they're willing to sit down with you and really talk through it then those are the ones to stick with uh but yeah the moment you see massive areas errors make sure that you uh pick them up soon yeah that's the end that's the end of that relationship (laughs) yeah yeah. but um matt because you're someone that clearly is very adept at juggling lots of balls and keeping them all in the air i want to talk about a subject that we chatted about a little bit um when we caught up a couple of days ago which is burnout because i can imagine that when you have so much going on it would be quite easy to become overloaded and not even really realize it tell me about your experiences what is burnout how did it affect you and what did you do about it burnout is something that i didn't really believe existed i always thought that you had to just keep going um but last year was obviously an incredibly tough year for everybody um i adapted to the pandemic by just doing more and like pushing really really hard and like finding alternative like trips in the uk and finding different events in the uk and really was just like i pushed the business so far forward but didn't look after myself um and then come september october last year i was Mm. i just found it really hard to focus and concentrate and um like small tasks that i would normally find really easy were really incredibly difficult and like a huge amount of fatigue and kind of irrational thinking i guess and like um yeah, my mental health definitely suffered as well. I had feelings of anxiety and suddenly I wasn't loving what I was doing because I was just so tired and it was so much work. Um, so yeah, last year, come the no- November lockdown, I was like, oh, I can take a week off, one week off. And uh, then I was like, oh, maybe I could take two weeks off. And then I started to panic and I was like, maybe you should take a whole month off. And I ended up taking uh, six months to fully recover and accept that actually what I'd done was I'd burnt out. I hadn't looked after myself in the whole process. And I think that's a lot of things, a lot of things that I would recommend all business owners is remember that you're the, your most important asset in your business. And if you're not well, then your business is, is, is not going to do well. You need to really look after yourself. And I didn't do that for probably the three years that I ran my business because I love my job and it feels like what I do is an incredible thing. So I felt really bad that I would feel tired or like, stressed out from it or that it was difficult it was like but you're doing your dream job you should be loving every moment and yeah by last year I, would, I realized that actually I needed I just needed a break and I needed to take some time off for me for me I just learned so much in that process actually those six months off are probably being the most uh, important part of the growth for the business because now I know how to look after myself which means that the business can continue to grow forward um, but also what I can teach other women from the experience that I've had and just to make sure that you do look after yourself and like what I've learned now when the business if the business was to go under it's not the biggest deal as long as I'm still happy and healthy then actually I can put my mind to something else um so in my process of uh going through burnout I joined I learned how to meditate which as somebody who's incredibly active and needs to be like moving and having energy all of the time and like always must be outdoors and active in that way it was really hard to sit still um (laughs) for half an hour and sit with my own thoughts 
So now I learned all about self-compassion, which is another word like self-care that makes me feel really cringy and like, oh, self-compassion. But actually understanding what self-compassion is um, will make you a better business owner because actually if I'm kind to myself, I'm less likely to beat myself up if I make mistakes uh, because I'm, I'm on my own side. But I, I love that you're touching on this because I, I wanna know when you realized you were gonna take some time out, how did you handle that as a business owner? Did you, um, did you put a post up on Instagram? Did you email your whole customer base and explain what was going on? How do you prepare the outside world for when you need to take a step back? It's quite a vulnerable subject to talk about, which no, I'm kind of like, I'm like, I, uh, it was all, for me, I guess, talking about mental health and stuff as a business owner is maybe something that people do need to talk about um because and it's a weird thing as well because you feel like as the leader of something or uh, the entrepreneur you should be really strong and resilient i thought resilience was always about like you can do this come on this really kind of strong attitude of like it's okay like that kind of keep on going keep on going actually that's not really for me what resilience actually looks like anymore resilience is actually knowing when to stop um and that was my my breaking point in in november was actually do you know what you need to just stop and everything will be okay once you're okay um you don't have to motivate yourself with critical words you don't need to be hard on yourself actually you can just be your own best mate and um and support yourself the way that we talk to ourselves is definitely is normally unless you're compassionate and you're naturally in that way or um, we always give ourselves a bit more of a hard time. And when we think about actually, would we talk like that outwardly to a friend? Maybe we wouldn't. And so for me, really understanding self-compassion actually is a really strong mindset to have because actually you're less likely to, yeah, you're not going to be scared of ma about making mistakes or about failure. You're actually just always going to be there no matter what. Um, and for me, that's been a really important part of my journey. I just took a break. I took a break from social media. It was really, really good. I highly recommend like that blackout, uh, the uh, the most recent when Instagram and that went down. I was like, oh my God, Hooray! stay down, stay down. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we don't need it. Um, but yeah, and then I guess just like, not really, really, I guess nobody really noticed in a weird way. Like, um, because I wasn't out literally making any announcements or anything, I didn't, there wasn't, it was just an out of office saying, hey, we're taking a break. And um, that that was kind of it. And it was the break just got extended and extended because actually I, I thought that I only needed a month off and uh, through taking more time off, actually, I was like, do you know what? Maybe I can, the world is closed down right now. So there's actually no reason for me to be pushing and planning for the future because we don't know what the future looks like. So actually, um, if you can just pause for the moment and like really look after yourself, what can you what can you learn and grow in this situation? And then like, how will that shape you going forward? And it's so important to take time off um, as a business owner um, and as any as anyone, any employee or like we don't give ourselves enough time off. Um, and if you think if I I'm really bad for it, I'm still even though I've had six, six months of learning this year, I've still definitely worked 10 days straight or 12 days straight and worked really long hours. And then I start to feel sick. So right now I feel a bit like run down. And it's like, actually, if you're just taking your weekend off, you won't need five days to recuperate or you won't need six months off to kind of get your brain back in action. Actually, if you learn to look after yourself through the whole period of running your business, um, you're not going to have these big downtimes where you do just need to just turn off or sell or like get out of the business. Actually having boundaries and looking after yourself is really important. It's really fascinating talking about the pressure that you put on yourself as a small business owner, because I was thinking about that recently, my line now when someone says to me, oh, do you want to do this thing or take this break or come up for lunch? I'm like, my boss won't let me. And they're like, who is this fiend that you work for? And I was like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely the harshest boss I've ever had who completely 
completely will not let me do that thing. So there's just no point in asking. My boss just doesn't let me do anything. Uh, but it's it's true. For most people who run their own things, you are. Yeah, I I said that exactly the same thing to myself. It's like, my boss is a tyrant. Like, she doesn't ever let me have any time off. She makes me work on weekends. And it's like, I'm totally in control of that. Um, but we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to to succeed. And I guess understanding what success looks like to you as well has been an important part of my my journey over the six months that I was off was like, actually what do I want this business to do and what's really important and actually if I'm not strong and I'm not um, looking after myself what message does that give to my community as well and I really want to be encouraging I can create all of these incredible experiences for other people and 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 show them so many things but actually if I'm not learning or looking after myself in that same process then it's, I'm not really not living my e- own ethos or ideas so and when you had that time off were you sort of dreaming about the future of gutsy girls did it sort of open up any new avenues that were interesting or, or tweak the way that you saw the future unfolding in any way to be honest no <laughs> I didn't want to think about gutsy girls it was a real like yeah it was a really um it was a really interesting experience to be like, actually, this it's okay, think about yourself now. And that was a real, like, there would be, and that's the hardest thing about, I guess, being a business owner is actually your mind just goes off onto your ideas so easily. Even on the weekend, you're like, oh, this is a great idea. Oh, I'm on my weekend. And it would feel like almost like your your business is robbing you of time even when you're off. Um, and now um, it was a really good experience to actually recognize that those ideas are going to come back at some point when I will need them I don't need to write them all down right now um actually just resting and and looking after myself is really important the things that I did learn from it I guess were how do I um teach other women to be self-compassionate I already know that from the work that I do I'm I'm really lucky that I'm I get to experience nature and do all of the adventures with the people who are my clients because I go on so many of the trips and I can see how easily we get wrapped up in our own ideas of ourselves or self-critics and um, it's always been part of what Gutsy Girls does is uh, kind of self-compassion and, and, and helping women uh, challenge themselves. And But it's really in that time, I guess, I really educated myself on how you could um, kind of look after yourself and how you could talk to yourself in a better way. How did the sort of programming change now that your focus is also on helping women to be a bit for, more... I don't know if mindful is the right word, given all the context with mindfulness, but is it but like more aware of what they need, more aware of that they have a, a right to downtime. Did that change some of the retreats that you put on? Um, how, how did it change your mix? I guess so we we didn't change too much. I didn't change too much about what we did on our retreats, but actually it was more about like, how do we engage in conversation about this? Um, and how do I share my experience? And I guess slowly it's about sharing my my experience with guests who come with us on our trips but also being really open to my social media and sharing things that I'm learning and my insights um and kind of my ideas and and helping people unpack kind of the self-critic and and having those conversations um mindfulness has always played a massive part of what we do but I never really understood what mindfulness was because when I first learn about mindfulness I thought it was colouring in books <laughs> you know like it was like that kind of like everyone jumped on the back of it being a mindful activity um but actually mindfulness is really just being really present in that moment and in a non-judgmental way as well to, to what you're experiencing and so for me yeah it's definitely bringing when we're paddleboarding in an incredible environment it's like just a little prompt of like hey are you here now like make sure that you're here now like feel the feet on your board look around in nature and like that's what nature does actually that's why so many of us find it such a brilliant respite and how much how much nature can really heal and how much like it's such an important part for mental health and well-being is to get out into nature and a lot of it is it's it does bring us into that present moment because it's harder to think about 
what you need to worry about when you're you know for me I found mindfulness when I first learned how to surf you can't be thinking about your to-do list when you're there's a wave coming towards you you know you really need to be in that moment and be present and all of the sports that I've always done like climbing as well like you're problem solving you're not thinking about what's happening tomorrow or what regretting what you said in that meeting or anything like that you're present present in that current moment and actually nature teaches us mindfulness in a really natural way um you don't have to sit on a cushion to be mindful um i do highly recommend it though it's definitely a great way to to improve that kind of moments in nature but yeah for me it's really i guess we prompt is how we what we talk about on our trips a little bit more and like creating that safe space and 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 how do I do that as well on our social media and how do I create space so that even if you can't join us on a trip and have those experiences, how can we have like transform that into um, a community online? Um, so that's something that we've kind of started on last year in the last year. Cool. And tell me about social media then and, and how you connect to people, because obviously this is your profession. You know this stuff. And that must have been so useful when you were building Gutsy Girls, because it's the easiest way to reach new customers because you're you're plugging into these enormous platforms. But but talk to me about kind of I'd love to know how you reach people. What works when you're trying to build a business on social media? Talk to me about what you've learned. Uh, social media is evil. That is <laughs> the thing that I've learned the most. No, I think, so I had um, a really difficult experience at the beginning of the year. So once I closed my business down for the six months, uh, when I came back to starting the business again in kind of April, May and started to turn, wanted to turn my adverts back on for Facebook and Instagram, uh, I was banned, permanently banned from the platform. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a very stress. It was probably more stressful than the whole pandemic altogether. Um, so basically, I had been, I hadn't done a verification uh, process, which came through, and I, my account was like blocked around. Um, I think it was something to do with what was happening in the US, like the Trump or the elections or um, the Capitol Hill riots. But because I hadn't accessed my account and verified something by uploading a passport, they had, I hadn't done it within 30 days because my business was closed. They permanently restricted my account and I couldn't unlock it in any way. So it meant that I was unable to advertise on Facebook or Instagram which was like where a lot of my, my advertising budget went into. So um, it was an incredibly stressful experience. I tried to put through so many appeals. And actually the really sad thing in the end was that I had to use, I had to contact somebody who I know who works at Facebook to help me unlock it. And I found that really incredible. It, it was a real eye opener to the power that Facebook and Instagram actually have. Please don't burn my accounts. <laughs> Please don't do it again. Um, but it's a real eye opener because as a small business, I wouldn't, I wasn't even able to transfer that to an agency to advertise. I was just no longer allowed to advertise on the platform at all as a person. So I can advertise on social media, even if Gutsy Girls didn't continue, I couldn't go back into my old profession as a social media marketer because it was connected to my personal account. And I, as you're, as a person, you're not allowed to have two accounts. So there was literally no way that I could get around that loophole. And the only way for me, I tried for a whole month without asking somebody that I knew to fix it for me, because I was like, I think that this, I'm in a privileged position that I know somebody who works for Facebook and who can, can put in a, an appeal through their systems. But I don't want to use that. I want to be the same as everybody else, any other small business owner who was suffering in the same way. And apparently there was hundreds of people who suffered in the same way and their advertising accounts got banned. And yeah, the only way I could find a way to do it was through, in, through, through a connection. And yeah, it was an eye opener to be like, wow, if I can't advertise on Facebook and Instagram, what does that mean for my business? And that was a scary, scary moment. It meant that I do need to, and I still haven't, 
I guess I managed to open it up. So I, I haven't really thought about how do I diversify where I'm putting my money into advertising, uh, mainly because I don't want to go on TikTok or anything like that because <laughs> I haven't got the time to go onto another social media platform. Um, but just really understanding how much power those kind of those places hold, uh, the social media companies hold and how the appeal system doesn't necessarily work for the users because there's millions, billions of users and they can't control anything like that. But it's just when you're a tiny, tiny business and you rely so heavily on your remarketing strategy through Facebook and Instagram and your your content isn't getting seen, it's so incredibly frustrating and stressful. And I was just desperate not to go on to like the whole, <laughs> didn't want to be an uh, influencer and do reels. And like, it was really not about what I was doing. So yeah, that was like an eye opener for me. And also you um, just recovered from burnout and you were just coming back and then you're landed with like the most stressful. That must have felt like such a slap in the face. Oh my God. Oh my God. I Yeah. Oh, my personal uh, Instagram account has uh, definitely got a couple of hilarious reels of me losing the plot about being so angry but <laughs> about social media. Um, but yeah, it was a real like, it was definitely the biggest slap in the face to kind of come back and have to deal with that. But um, I guess it was my first challenge and it was like, actually, how do you uh, ride through this? Okay, you've done this step. Okay, you don't need to think about it until the next step. Kind of like, it was a real good chance for me to practice how everything that I'd learned over the over the time off. But yeah, it's a uh, resilience, I guess. There's the resilience. It's just like going, well, you'll work it out. Did you try other stuff while it was, I mean, I presume it was just soaking up all your time trying to fix that particular issue. But I mean, did you try doing leaflets or did you do some email marketing or was there just not time really? There wasn't, there wasn't much time. Luckily I was, um, it was still in the early stages of like restarting the business. It became, it, I wasn't ready to turn the adverts on straight away, but I just went into like kind of, so there was a bit of time lead up, but there was, it was frustrating. I had to cancel a couple of events because we didn't get the kind of the, the traction because the social media had been down for six months and suddenly I was open and nobody knew about it because if you don't really pay for it, nothing gets seen on Facebook or Instagram. So uh, it was a really frustrating situation and a bit of an eye opener, eye opener there. Yeah. So I just, I luckily I have a really engaged mailing list. Um, I was, I can always fall back on Google AdWords, which ad, AdWords, which I actually highly recommend to any business owner, invest more money into AdWords and think of, well, this is from my old days of social media marketing. Um, it's harder to find new clients on Instagram and Facebook, in my opinion, that because they're just looking for things. It's, they're not necessarily, they're just, you're just planting a seed with uh, Instagram or, or Facebook, but actually if somebody's typing in adventure retreat onto Google, they're gonna be looking to book something. They're in a much more active position to buy. So actually invest your more money into your active buyers and then just use social media for remarketing and getting your content out there. Um, but also just don't rely too heavily on it, I guess is um, my biggest lesson learned and trying to work out how do I diversify and where my budgets go and market and spend go um, in the future. Do you know, can you reveal where you might be putting money in the future to try and circumvent just the behemoth that is Facebook and Instagram? Um, not not so much at the moment. I think it's something I will have to have a think about in my winter strategies. I mean, when I say that, I don't have a winter strategy at all. Like, that's a lie. That sounds really, really grand. My <laughs> winter strategy. Meeting. Winter strategy. When I sit down and pretend that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, no, I, I think I'm actually in a really fortunate position at the stage that I'm in at the moment um, that our trips sell out in two minutes, less than two minutes. So, um, yeah, it's like... I remember the first time I did it and I was like, oh my God, I'm like Glastonbury. <laughs> like people like people, people want to go on our stuff. Amazing. But it's absolutely nuts. So, um, 
and because we don't have a huge amount of space like i'm not it's not a massive business it's only we only have like six to 12 spots on trips and we only run i don't know how many we run a year on a normal pandemic non-pandemic year but yeah we we're in a really i'm in a really fortunate position actually not to need a huge amount of advertising anymore but this is the clever thing about your model is that people who come they come back again and again when i read the testimonials on your website it's like that's it i'm a gutsy girl now i'm gonna book Mm. you know again and again so is that sort of the secret to the model almost is that once you've perfected these beautiful adventures people not only want to come back they'll talk about it to all their other friends who are interested in the same stuff and it becomes like a virtuous circle yeah i think i wish i had like the figures but because i don't have the time to sit down and look at my figures (laughs) on like returning guests but i would say probably around 60 70 percent actually return um or they will be referring a friend um probably more than that to be honest most some gutsy girls who've joined us uh, have been on like all of our big trips. They've been to Croatia, Sardinia, Norway, which means that I do have to like grow the business to find new adventures for the people who've done all the big free that we do. Um, so yeah, it's about, I guess, once you create incredible experiences that that people value and, and love, then actually, you know, look after your community and look after your customers um, because they're going to come back and they're the ones who are going to spread so the word and when things go wrong and you do have a, and people do have a negative experience it does like it spreads out so it's kind of making sure that you really like really care and really invest in your guests experiences and that's really important to me it's making sure that people have the best possible time but has anything ever actually gone wrong because i mean i know when you're doing something like a retreat there are so many variables and all you need is for everyone to get food poisoning or for a tour guide to turn up drunk on the mountain or does anything like that actually happen i'm i guess we're really lucky we've had like occasional this summer we had um paddle boards like bursting um but luckily not in a really remote location but we we always i guess with any adventure holiday or experience you have to have backup plans and you have to be really flexible and have to have a real adaptable kind of idea and that's working with great guides and we always have a backup plan no matter what so luckily we've had no because the weather the weather might completely send everyone off track. You know, you can't paddleboard if it's like howling gale and... Yeah, definitely. It's always knowing your safety. Um, so yeah, we've been, we've had experiences where our paddleboarders have been taken, rescued by boats. Rescued makes it sound like they were in danger. They weren't in danger in any way, but um, you know, we have to have a backup plan and that's like, that comes into our planning stages, which means that, you know, which goes back to how much planning and how much preparation goes into every experience is because we need to know all of the variables that could happen. If a board bursts and we're in Scotland, what are we going to do? Oh, well, we're going to have to make sure that we have a repair kit. We're going to have to have an easy access out of water. Like there's always got to be lots of different backup things. So actually adventure planning and working with the best possible guides alleviates anything going severely wrong. And then I guess I'd just love to know what your dreams are for this business. Would you like to keep it as it is um, for the years to come? Would you like to start bringing other people in? Would you like to kind of, I mean, I'm just, this is all supposition. What would you like to happen to Gutsy Girls? It doesn't need to be a massive business. It, that was when I first started it. I And everybody tells you, oh, this has got a huge potential. You could, this, you could scale, you could franchise, you could do this, you could do that. And actually... For me, it's not about that. It's about ensuring that everybody has a space uh, that they feel safe and that they can experience things. And like everything that we learn in nature, how do I ensure that everyone gets that opportunity? And um, shifting more towards being a social enterprise uh, seems the right way forward. Um, working towards getting grants and 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 maybe working, yeah, working with other charities and ensuring that everybody kind of has the same experience. And 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 whatever we can do to do that is 
that's really important to me and not not being pushed forward to drive my profits up and grow 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 it's kind of actually it's okay to be it's okay to be small and make a really big impact in a small amount of people's lives than be massive and make no impact at all well i think that's such a powerful message and probably a really great place to start because honestly that's just a nice note to finish on and a nice nice feeling to leave our listeners with oh thank you so much i've loved being on it thank you so much for listening if you're turning your passion into a new venture we'd love to hear about it tell us what dropped you on any social media platform using the hashtag sound advice podcast and if you love the sound of gutsy girls you will be relieved to know that nat is back on instagram at gutsy girls underscore to find the show notes and any related goodies, head over to sage.com slash podcast. See you in a fortnight for more sound advice.